uh, now I'm looking forward to seeing what Pastor Reed uh, has from the Lord. Let's go over to Exodus 33 this evening. Exodus 33. A.W. Tozer said in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, I know Moses was not a perfect person. We understand that. We know that Moses had his issues. But when God searched the land to see if there was somebody that wanted to know God for who he was, he landed on Moses. And Moses was that man. And in Exodus 33, we see, um, really, uh, this is the time in Israel's history, they'd already gotten the law, Moses had gotten law once, and uh, the children of Israel had, had convinced Aaron uh, to um, build that golden calf, make that golden calf. He came down, Moses came down, destroyed the tablets. And now God basically is saying, I'm finished with the children of Israel. I'm done, I'm done. And Moses prays intercedingly for the children of Israel at that point. By the way, there are times when we feel like we need to pray the imprecatory prayer <laughs> and we want to pray a fire and brimstone down on people, but God is asking us to pray intercedingly for them instead. And I think that we need to be aware of that. But in Exodus 33, we have the, the time where Moses is really coming face to face with God. And I let, let me do this. Let's pray first, and then I want to jump into this text. Father, Lord, I pray that you'd help us in our short time that we have to grasp the concept. Lord, as, as what Brother Tim said earlier today, revival is not anything that we can put on a calendar. It's just a, a continual, a faithful, and an honest pursuit of you. So Lord, help us to desire to meet with you and see you face to face and pursue you regularly so that we might walk close to you, so that others might see a reflection of you when they see us, so they can be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse 1 of Exodus 33. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence. Thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt and the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. Now listen to what he says in verse 2. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the, per I'm sorry, the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God is finished with Israel. He He's like, I'm done. The golden calf, it, nope, I'm, 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 I'm finished. But God is also a faithful God, and he says this to his people. He says, I'm going to keep all the promises that I made to you. I'm going to allow you to inhabit the land that floats with milk and honey. I'm going to allow you to go in there, and I'm going to allow you to take the land, and you will be able to live there. He says, and it is a great land. In fact, you don't even have to do anything for it. He says in verse 2, I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive all the people out. And then you can go in there and you can possess the land. And we see here almost an affirmation of the blessing that God gave them. And God promised Abraham in Genesis, he said that you're going to have all this land. Every place where the sole of your foot trods, that's going to be your land. And he promised it to Isaac and then again to Jacob. And now or we're here with Moses and he's reaffirming that promise. He's making an affirmation of the blessing. And God told him, everything that I promise you, I am faithful to keep. I'm going to give you everything. The promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you're getting the land. You're getting the wealth of the land. You're getting the fruit of the land. You're getting the milk and the honey of the land. You, 
You don't even have to worry about the military victories because I'm going to take care of that for you when I send my angel. You don't have to do anything for it. I'll do it for you. There's just one thing. I'm not going with you. That's what he said. Look, verse 3, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee. You get the land, you get the blessing, but you don't get me. You don't get me. You see, there was an affirmation of the blessing here, but unfortunately, it was absent the blesser. You don't get me. You get everything I promised, but you don't get me. And he's really giving them almost a proposition here where they get everything that was promised, but they don't get the one that promised them those things. They're going to be absent, the blesser. Now, here's the the dilemma that I see in mainstream Christianity. If you told a Christian in mainstream Christianity, if you said you get all the blessings of having the Lord without any of the responsibility to the Lord, unfortunately, too many Christians would be okay with that arrangement. They'd be okay with it. They'd say, I want the blessing. I want the milk and the honey of the land. I want the fruit. I want the wealth. I want the military victories. But God, just don't make me responsible to you. And a lot of Christians would be okay with that type of arrangement. That's the arrangement that they want. They want the blessings without the burden or the responsibility to the blesser. They want the land without the relationship to the Lord. Moses could have said this. He could have said, I'll take it. That sounds good to me. You're going to give us the land. That's what we've been longing for. That's what we've been desiring. That's what we've been wandering. That's what we've been wandering in this wilderness for. We'll take it. But he didn't. Now listen up. Listen up, men. God wants to see if we want him for his blessings or if we want him for him. Are we going to be satisfied with the peripherals of his tangible blessings? Or, or do we desire him? And as a husband and as a father, am I just interested in making sure my family enjoys the blessings of God? As I try to increase, Brother Dalzell? Or am I going to prioritize my life in such a way that it communicates to my wife and kids that I know God? So what's it going to be? I mean, have I grown satisfied with the blessings or am I pursuing the blesser? Have I grown content to live in the land without growing in knowledge of the Lord? The blessings, man, when you th- the blessings without the blesser, that's just stuff. And we leave it all here. The Lord without the land, it's just dirt. And it's not worth anything. You can live in the promised land and have all the wealth of it, but it's nothing if the promiser's not with you. It's nothing. And there are too many Christians and there are too many men that by default almost are leading their families down a road to be content with the blessings and not pursue a relationship with the blesser. The gifts without the presence of the giver, it's vanity, it's empty. So, man, I have a question for you. Do you want him? 
Or do you just want his blessing? Because a whole lot of times I hear people praying, Lord, bless us, bless us, bless us, bless us. Bless this and bless that. Have we, have we grown content to love the blessing, but not the blesser? The Lord said, I'm going to give you the land. I'm just not going with you. Now, if you were to continue to read in context, I'm so thankful for Moses. Because in this context, Moses says, nope, no deal. He's not doing that. It's not the promised land without you. And we're not doing that. And if you were to continue to read chapter 33, and really even chapter 34, I love it. Moses has a face-to-face encounter with God in verse 33. And the Bible says in verse 11 that the Lord spake unto Moses face-to-face. Listen to this. As a man speaketh unto his friend. When's the last time you had communion with God like that? And Moses set up a place that in Scripture it calls it the tabernacle. We know that this was not necessarily the tabernacle of the Old Testament where they went to worship. It was a different place because the tabernacle that was supposed to be set up was in the midst of, was in the midst of all the tribes. But this particular tent of dwelling or tent of meeting was outside the camp. Now, they may have used the tabernacle furniture, and the scripture's not clear there, but here's what Moses said. Moses said in verse 7, he said, Moses took the tabernacle, pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass, that, that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. So if you want to seek the Lord, if you want to get to know him, you've got to go to that specific place. Verse 8, and it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Now what, what was the tabernacle set up for? That tabernacle outside, that tent of meeting, that tent of congregation was set up for anybody that wanted to pursue the Lord, anybody that wanted to get to know the Lord. And who went? Moses. Where was everybody else? They were standing at the tent door. They were standing at their own tent door, watching the man of God as he went into the tabernacle and as he pursued God. But they were supposed to go there too. What happened? They were, they were content to allow somebody else to talk to God for them and then bring back the message. That was a people that had grown apathetic toward the relationship with God that they should have desired. Now, now, now hear me, hear me. Don't miss the application. How many of us are guilty of living our Christian life Sunday to Sunday content with the message that God gave to your preacher? And he spent time that week at the tabernacle pursuing God, asking God what he should give to his people like he should. He comes that Sunday, he gives the message, and you think it's good enough for you to get through the entire week. Wait a second. You have a responsibility to go to the tabernacle yourself. You can't worship God from a distance. And they're standing at the door of their tent, and they're looking at Moses going into the tabernacle, and they see him come out. And he was a man that spoke face-to-face with God as a friend speaking to a friend, and they missed it. Why? Because they were content to live with his relationship with God. Men, you can't worship God from a distance. 
You can't worship him from a distance. So the question tonight that I just want to pose to you is, are you pursuing God? Are you getting to that specific place? We talk about why people fail at their um, daily devotions and communion with God. Many times it's because they don't have a plan. Many times it's because they don't have a place. Then get to that place. Have that personal relationship with the Lord. Don't be content to ride the coattails of your preacher. Have that personal relationship with him. If you want revival in your local church, it's going to take members of that local church being revived. And so you got to get to the temple, your tabernacle yourself. You got to get to the tent of meeting yourself. And when they got there, man, it was interesting. It really led them in verse 13. He said, now therefore, listen to this prayer. This prayer I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. When you have a face-to-face encounter with God, you're gonna wanna know his way. He said, show me your way in verse 13. He said, show me your presence in verse 15. He said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not a pence. This is what Moses said. If you're not going to the promised land, well, I don't wanna go either. It's not the promised land without you. And so in that prayer, after this meet face-to-face means, like, show me thy way, show me thy presence. And then in verse 18, he said this in this really threefold prayer. And he said in verse 18, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And that's when God said, you can't see my glory. No one can see my glory and live. And so I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. <laughs> this is amazing. He said, you can't handle all my glory. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you up in a rock and I'm gonna shield you with my hand. And I'm gonna pass by you. And when I pass by you, I'll ruin my hand momentarily and I'll let you see the backside, not of my glory, but of one attribute of my glory. And the attribute that God chose, if you read in scripture here, it's goodness. He says, I'm gonna put you in the rock, I'm gonna hide you, and when I pass by, you'll be able to see the back backside of my glory. And if you were to continue reading context, you'll see that when Moses came down off the mountain, even from that little encounter with God, his face shone. Why? Because he was a man that pursued God. Men, listen to me. If you have a desire to pursue God and you are meeting with him, others will be able to tell. They would be able to tell. And so, men, my question, just as we go through this, is are, are you content with just the stuff the blesser provides for us, or do you want him? And if it's him that you truly want, then show it. Go after it. Meet him. Go to him. Pursue him. Stay engaged with his word. Spend time in prayer. Be at church when you should be there. I, I wasn't denigrating the preacher when I said don't ride his coattails. I was saying that shouldn't be the only thing you do. But it should be something you do with regard to being at church and, and listening to the preaching and even taking notes and being engaged. And so, men, the challenge tonight simply from, from God's word is this. Are you pursuing God like you ought to? When's the last time you, you spoke to him face to face as a man speaketh with his friend? Say, Pastor, can I have that type of relationship with the Lord? If you pursue him, you can. If you want him, you can. My fear is that so many of us have become so content with just the stuff, with the blessing, 
that we're missing the relationship that he wants us to have as our blesser. So men, let's have a relationship with the blesser rather than just a relationship with the blessings. Father, I pray, Lord, that just a simple challenge would help us to remember that you are everything. And while we can be distracted with the stuff of this world that you've even intended for to, to be a blessing to us, Lord, help us to never allow those blessings to become a distraction to a genuine relationship with you. Lord, the, the land without you is just dirt. The blessing without the blesser is just stuff. Help us not to be content with a long-distance relationship.